Today on the Zabecast, when it comes to straight crazy, there's LeVar Ball and everybody else. His latest grand plan is to get all his idiot kids on the Suns. How? By doing radio interviews. Mr. X joins me to gently moonwalk, in whiteface, mind you, about his Super Bowl prediction, and we will marvel at the things only Belichick and the Patriots can possibly get away with. Bonus Abe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Thursday, February 7, 2019. Thank you for downloading. LeVar Ball is back. And he is spectacular. This guy... This guy is one of the best delusion acts in all of sports. And I mean that sincerely. He is truly and utterly delusional. I don't think this is an act. I really think he is crazy. Now, for everyone saying, why are you giving this guy a platform? You shouldn't be talking about him. Trust me. Me not talking about LeVar Ball is not going to sway him one way or the other. As to what he does, what he says, or how he manages or mismanages his kid's basketball career. Secondly, I haven't indulged in a lot of the low-hanging fruit, the cheap stuff on LeVar Ball. I I lie in wait. I'm selective. I actually kind of notice things and I see things and I read things and I was like, nah, not important. This is getting good though. With his kid being one of the prime pieces mentioned in a potential blockbuster trade of the Lakers uh, by the Lakers to the Pelicans to get Anthony Davis, the unibrow. One of three young players, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, and a bunch of draft picks. The deal hasn't gone down yet, although by the time you listen to this on Thursday, the day of the trade deadline, maybe it will have already been done. Last I read was the Lakers are like, that's it, we're out. They walked out of the showroom. I'm not paying that much for that car. I'm leaving. And I'm sure there is a Pelican salesman running out the door going, wait, 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 I just talked to my manager. Hold on a second. So anyway, with uh, with Lonzo Ball you know, possibly being in this trade, not possibly, he, he will be in the trade if it goes down, Papa Ball is starting to lose his mind. Because remember, Papa Ball... His whole life was based around tricking the Lakers into taking his son. The master plan was to not just have Lonzo, the best of the three and the first of the three, be on the Lakers. His plan was get them all there because that was his vision. Crazy people have visions too, okay? And in their mind, they're beautiful and they make perfect sense. Lonzo Ball called into a Phoenix radio station, unprompted. That would be the Doug and Wolf show on 98.7 FM. And then began to rip the Lakers up one side and down the other. Here's what he said in the interview. First of all, do you want to see Lonzo with the Suns? Yes, I do. I gave the Lakers Lakers a first right of refusal. I get all three of my boys. You got championships. They think I'm just talking. Lonzo and Jello and Mello had the best chemistry. Well, how come it's not working out great right now in, a, in L.A.? He's a better fit in Phoenix, says LeVar, because they've got some young athletes. They've been losing. They need a winning attitude. The Lakers gave my boy that losing attitude. <laughs> if you look at my boys, the one thing they do is win. 
My boys don't lose too much. When he got to the Lakers, Luke Walton was the worst coach ever for Lonzo because he had a losing mentality. They've been losing for three years. That's how you develop losing. It's also how you end up drafting LeVar Ball second overall, or Lonzo Ball second overall, when you should have taken Jason Tatum. Duh. LeVar wasn't done, though. He called into the same station three hours later and continued to rip Luke Walton. Quote, if they would have done this, meaning fired Luke Walton a long time ago, I predicted by Christmas, I was wrong, but we'll get there. They wouldn't even be in these trade talks. They're trying to trade all these players. They should have gotten rid of Luke a long time ago, but they didn't do anything. When I said he lost the locker room, people thought I was crazy. Now they got to get violent. It's come to people getting violent in the locker room now. Reports of that disputed, though, by Michael Beasley and others. Who knows? It's come to people getting violent in the locker room. This could have been avoided a long time ago. All you got to do is listen to the big baller. That's him, LeVar. How to fix the Suns, who are terrible. It's time for something new. The ball boys, he says. We'll change the whole culture over there. (laughs) Yeah, you will. Not for the better. Why is it not working in L.A., he was asked? Because Lonzo, he makes everybody better. How can you make somebody better if you have four people dribbling the ball up the court? What if they do actually trade Lonzo? Hey, you got to do what you got to do, said LeVar. Like I told them before, if you trade my son, it'll be the worst thing you've ever done for your franchise. I guarantee it. Too late. They've already made the big mistake. Trading your son would be the start of coming to their senses. What about New Orleans? Would you be good to go there? Quote, they already got Drew Holiday, said LeVar. We don't want to go to New Orleans, and even if my son gets traded, you can't make him play. We're not going to New Orleans. I'd rather go somewhere you want to be because New Orleans ain't going to be looking to get all three of my boys. Phoenix, they might have a chance to get all three of my boys to win these championships. Plural. And understand what winning's about. But I need all three of my boys on the court because that's 60% of the team that's into winning and not worrying about how much money you're going to make. Oh, wow. From the guy who came out with big baller brand sneakers, crappy ass, independently made, flimsy, broke ass, $500 overpriced sneakers. Are they still making big baller brand sneakers? What version of the mellow sneaker are they on? 2.0, 3.0? Do they still cost $500? Are they a collector's item? I think they are like the DeLorean of shoes. The DeLorean was a fancy-looking, famously expensive, and yet ridiculously underpowered flop of a vehicle. I was reading up on the DeLorean's horsepower and it was something like 110 horsepower which is less far less than a honda civic is today are you afraid of lebron they asked him on this interview afraid of lebron i'm not afraid of jesus what are you talking about wait afraid of jesus people were afraid of jesus Then he takes a shot at Kyle Kuzma. Quote, I tell you what, Lonzo makes everybody better. That's what he's always did his whole life. You didn't even hear about Kuzma. You don't even hear of Kuzma if Lonzo don't make him in the Las Vegas Summer League. 
You see every time Kuzma plays by himself, Hart, Ingram by himself, they don't get nothing. They look raggedy. He went on to promise that he wouldn't be quiet in Phoenix either if somehow the trade wins didn't blow him all the way to New Orleans. He ended up in Phoenix. Maybe there's a three-way. Who knows? Fantastic. I just Way to go. Why get sent when you've made your whole life being crazy? Why stop now? Just mash the gas pedal. Don't just try to steer your son to Phoenix where you'd rather be than New Orleans. But go ahead and uh, keep talking up all three kids being in the NBA. Jello, the middle kid who stole the sunglasses in China and got imprisoned before being bailed out and then got kicked out of UCLA. Actually didn't get kicked out. He left, I believe. He was suspended, and then he was just tired of being suspended, and he left on his own. Uh, LaMelo, the kid uh, who just loves to jack it up from all over the place, he played in Lithuania in that Fakakta league that they were in that they had the Facebook reality show with, and I believe got paid but said he didn't, and so the NCAA immediately said, no, dude, you're a pro now, so your eligibility is done. God, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it just for the sheer train wreck aspect of it. But even the Suns, as bad as they are, as dumb as their management is, even they're not dumb enough to want to get involved in this. LeVar Ball, he's back, everybody, and doing what he does. Time now for a victory lap with Mr. X. Hello. (laughs) Hello, he says. They hate us because they ain't us. Got a ring. Put another Lombardi on the pile. Unbelievable. And congratulations to you, Mr. X, for calling calling the game correctly on uh, the Zabecast on the uh, Football Five Ways Friday Premium Edition last week. And you won't believe this, Mr. X, but I got some pushback from listeners when I said I, too, picked the game correctly. Because yeah. they heard me say, I'm having what he's having. <laughs> yeah, and, I heard that. And here, <laughs> here's here's my way of thinking on this, and you can either agree or disagree. It doesn't matter how I came to the conclusion to put my money on one side or the other, whether it was a tip from the best damn handicapper I know, Mr. X, or whether it was my fucking goldfish that let me pick the game. I bet the game and won. I'm allowed to brag I was on the right side. That's my theory. What do you think? Yes and no. I think ah, the yes point is no. if, if somebody was if somebody was touting that there was some great handicapper, obviously that's BS. But you didn't. What you said is you got it right and you did. Now I think to me that I, I equate that to the difference between life and school. In school you gotta do your own work. You can't cheat. In life, just know whose paper to copy off of, man. <laughs> That's if a good. Copying off my paper right. is going to help you. So what? Right. See, I consider handicapping and/or betting to be synthesizing, Mister X, 
all exactly. available information and then sifting through the information, throwing information out that you think is not relevant, weighting certain information that you believe is more deserving of it. And let me tell you, the the absolute plutonium weight of information was you were on the Patriots. And so that tipped the scales for me. I said, fuck it. I could come up with arguments as to why I too like the Patriots slightly different from you, but I'm copying off your sheet. Copy the sheet. I think they paid you the same, didn't they? They did pay me the same, but congratulations. You, you spent a lot of legwork breaking it down. Now, all that said, and you, by the way, just finished on a Thursday rewatching the game. And I want to hear your rewatch notes as you watched it again. I've said all week, I've reminded people, it's a 3-3 game with seven minutes to go in the fourth. I said there's two Brandon Cooks touchdowns that are in his hands before being knocked out at the last second. The winners write the history books, and outcomes define narratives in sports. And that's true. And I'm not taking anything away from the Patriots. I only say those two things because, believe me, if Goff was one second quicker and not throwing a duck to Cooks and they go on to win... People aren't killing McVay the way they're killing him. They're saying, well, here's a little overmatch in his first Super Bowl. By golly, how many more will this wonder kid ever win? Right? Mm, I'm not sure I'm buying that. Because Winners I feel like write the history books. That's you true. know that. Yes. Oh, yes. But what I mean is those couple plays that you just mentioned for the Rams, yeah. that was like the only thing all day that they were close to getting right. I mean, you really have to dig for those. True. Whereas the Pats had a million plays that were, you know, I mean, they dominated the possession, the yards, everything by the half. They should have been up seventeen nothing at the half, not three nothing. Right. Goskowski missed not a field really goal in the game. They they yeah. weren't they they shouldn't have been in the game, but they were in the game. And right. the other the other time they had it going, and this is where you know penalties suck. The holding call on the center on yes. the big girly run that set him up that would have set him up first and 10 inside the Patriots territory after they drove it from their own 7 so they're building a monster drive they get a big run from Gurley one of the few ones he had all game and we'll get into Gurley's non-usage in a second and Good. they get a call back on a holding penalty that Tony Romo was like I can't see that holding yeah that one was tough but again I think the point is is you know you can sit there and pick out two or three plays that the Rams desperately needed well, but just they like they were not doing well, and that's every day. game. And then they were beneficiaries right. of the Woods catch, where he was actually out of bounds, but oh, they gotcha. smartly hustled up and got it off before any challenge flag would be thrown. So, well, wow. the, back to the prediction from last week. Remember, the only thing I said of, of note was, I don't know what Belichick's going to do, but I know it's going to confuse Goff, and that he did. They had no adjustments. They had their game plan was horrible. It was uh, as far as coaching versus quarterback. It was men and boys. He really confused him. They played quarters coverage almost exclusively zone. They showed very little of that on tape, and they used a six-one front that took away the edges uh, of the running game. And I, I wouldn't know any of this except for the fact I listen to smarter people and read smarter people after the fact. Here's what I find interesting, and actually Dan Levitard brought this up on his show. In real time, during the game, even the best analyst in the biz, or so they say, Tony Romo, couldn't adequately explain what was happening. That it literally took going into the locker room after the game and having reporters ask what happened, in which it was finally explained to us. Isn't that, as Levitard says, 
a failure of our industry that we can't even see something happening in real time? Well, yeah, I see that point. But I will say, having just watched it, Romo is good. Oh, yeah. God, he was good. I thought the two people that had phenomenal games that went unnoticed was Romo, because he, he may not have dissected the quarters coverage, et cetera, but he, he was on the key plays, and he knew what was working and what wasn't. He was all over Edelman and his crazy separation. He had a really good – I always feel like there's two kinds of announcers, ones you hate and ones you don't notice. <laughs> but Romo was good, so and you, I don't rarely that. Rarely do you have an announcer you love. It's just ones right. you hate and ones you don't notice. Yeah, usually they're either annoying or they're invisible um, to me. But Romo was dead on. I thought he was very good. Well, he said, person- yeah, he said on those three plays on the on the go ahead touchdown drive uh, when they threw it to Gronk down to the goal line, he was like, "It's the same play. Same it's play. the same play." But yeah. it was it was the same play. But didn't they switch the formation with motion on one of them? Not really. No, it was the same play. Three different options, and all three were there each play, and he did each one once. And yeah, he was dead on that. He was very good. Yeah, he, he added something, and usually you want an announcer to just not subtract. And not only you know, did not only does Romo add that stuff from a pure football intelligence standpoint, he's funny and he doesn't give a shit. Have you ever heard? a Super Bowl announcer openly shit on a game that is boring and involves no scoring like we saw in this game. That was great. Romo is just joking like, well, if you like offense, this is a tough watch. If you like defense, here we are, 3-3, halftime. My take on that is he he knows his stuff, of course, but he doesn't take – it or himself too seriously. seriously right that's important because it's entertaining that way i thought it was excellent no he was he was really really good and and tracy wolfson deserves a gold star for nearly getting crushed after <laughs> yeah. the game and that throng yeah. reporters well, it's just one of the dumbest things ever that the nfl doesn't better credential their their field access after the game there's no need for 50 still photogs wielding wielding you know canon 6d mark threes in the people's faces but that's a different story so what did you take away on the rewatch okay. here's what i took away. first of all that was an amazing defensive game it was a throwback to the early belichick days what he did and how they shut them down I mean, I, I, my recollection is there's three ridiculously good defensive Super Bowls. There was the Pittsburgh who's shutting out the Vikings. Everyone forgets the block punt touchdown. They basically shut them out. There was That's the like Bears Super Bowl would, seven or eight. Uh, around that. They won 16-6, and it was a late block punt. They could have played for a month, and the Vikings wouldn't have scored I, on I love, I love how you say, Mr. X, everyone forgets the block punt. Yeah, because it was 50 years ago. <laughs> well, well, what I mean is when I was reading analysis about, you know, oh, they held them to three. Well, that was really a held them to zero on defense, and it was sure. a special teams play sure. is what I meant. And the other one, of course, is the way the Bears dominated. They didn't just beat you. They just hurt people all day long, oh knocked out quarterbacks, et cetera. But the difference in this one to me is that Steeler and that Bear were all-time great defenses. The Patriots this year couldn't stop anybody. They were bad most of the year. They got good down the stretch. Isn't that funny? They were terrible. So to take a mediocre at best defense and shut down a 34-point-a-game Ram offense, all of a sudden, everybody on that field on Sunday looked like an all-pro. They defended every pass. They put pressure on. 
I just got to say, you know, throw up your hands and say Belichick is just something we'll never see again. Right, because, because his, that was teams, just a plan. his teams get better relentlessly like an army on the march from week yes. to week to week. Yeah. And so what you see early on may not look pretty, but it's going to come together by golly because he's going to make sure it comes sure. together. And sure, they, held, they held back-to-back weeks – both the Chiefs and the Rams to zero points in the first half when teams are at their freshest and in yes. theory should be moving the ball and scoring, held the two teams that jacked each other off to 105 points this year to yep. zero and zero. That's pretty amazing. And sure, the players will do it and get the credit, but it's just, you know, they those same players were there all year and they weren't very good. He really just comes up with the right scheme at the right time. It was amazing. But I'll tell you, the uh, to me, I, I haven't done a lot of listening to uh, recaps, but the unsung key player to that game for the Patriots was Allen, the punter. Oh, yeah. I mean, he not only – not only I mean, he clearly outkicked the, the hot shots of the Rams, but not only did he stick four punts tight, he stuck three punts inside the six in the second half when the game was on the line, the Rams are already struggling on offense. You know how much harder it is when you're on the four. Right. And, and when that game was on the line and he stuck it on the four, that, he, he hit three punts in the late in that game. It was four overall inside the six. And that made all the difference in the world. Yeah. There was one punt that was downed at the two by the Patriots that if the special teams player had just backed up a step, he could have yeah. let it roll and could have downed it at the one-foot line. Yes, but I did think McVay made a lot of mistakes. It's so easy when you lose, and when you lose, everybody thinks you did everything wrong, which I, I'm not one who does that. You know, right. you're usually good, but well, the biggest, the ones I, yeah, okay. I was going to say well, the biggest one is Gurley, which I want your theory, Mister X, as to okay. what's up on the Gurley front, and then you can go through your list of other okay. McVay mistakes. What's up on the Gurley front? I don't know. <laughs> But he did not look injured to me. He looked like the, the part that, that is even – okay, the fact he hardly touched the ball is mind-boggling. What's more mind-boggling is when you listen to them early, I think it was the Wolf that said they want him to win the MVP. They say he's ready. He's going to get to work today. But they are going to spell him with Anderson to, quote, keep him fresh. Hmm. Okay, okay, we know what that means. Sometimes that means, you know, we run you hard the first quarter, we spell you in the second. What got me is the first 17 minutes of clock minutes, you know, Super Bowl time, the first 17 minutes of that game, the Rams had the ball for three minutes. Okay, so early in the second quarter, they get the ball. They've only had three minutes of possession, and they go to C.J. Anderson. Is there anybody on offense who needs a rest when you've been sitting on the sideline for a quarter and a half? Nobody on offense should have been tired. They're already pulling him out as a, quote, planned rotation when they haven't even had the ball yet. It, it, what it, the hell? That it, makes no sense. I was I was happy, but I don't know why they would do it. I mean, if he has 12 carries in the first quarter, maybe you take him out in the second. They hadn't even had the ball as a team yet. I tell you, the days of an NFL bell cow feature back, a franchise back that we grew up on, it is just laughable now to think about how devalued the position has become, that even when you have a guy who is universally worshipped as the stud of studs, 
which yes. Gurley is, and you can't find a way to use him, or you don't, or whatever, or ouch, my knee hurts. Here's okay. So there's arguments to be made for and against him being hurt. The argument for him being hurt is, well, duh, McVeigh's not an idiot. And the other argument is some people saw him maybe limping, either uh, coming off the field or whatever. I think uh, Evan Washburn had a report in the game that said he saw him, you know, not running or not working as comfortably as he might have. The argument against him being hurt is he had one of the top speeds in the game, according to Next Gen Stats. When he yes. did get the ball a couple times, he showed burst ability, cut ability, and all the usual things that he has. And the third most compelling argument, Mr. X, is this. He played against the Cowboys in the first playoff game. And he carried it, I think, 12 times for 106 yards. Both he and Anderson went over 100 yards, but Anderson had the bigger day and the more carries, right? Other than that game, he had five carries against the Saints. So he had five carries in three weeks' time before this game. And if you go... Back beyond before the Cowboy game, he rested, I think, the final three weeks of the regular season, and they had a bye week as the number two seed. None of it makes sense. Don't, no, I mean, there's got to be. Ain't no injury in the, ain't no knee injury in the world for an NFL running back that is that bad that he can't go full blore for the Super Bowl. Okay, I'll shut up. Must have been, the only other thing is it had to involve like pictures of farm animals or something. I don't have any idea why that would be. But by the way, if there's any, all this talk about oh I saw him limping, this if this was the Patriots, they'd be getting they'd be losing a first round draft pick for not putting him on the injury report, right? Probably. How does he not get put on the injury report and yet they can't play him in these games? Something's something's here, wrong there. Here, here's what I also don't like about Gurley, and then we'll get to other mistakes by McVeigh and the Rams. After the game, Gurley said when asked about not getting many touches, quote, it's cool, man. It's a team sport. There's 11 people on the field. Everyone can't touch the ball. Boo! I actually don't like that. Wow. I couldn't like it more. What? I, I couldn't like it more. In, in this day and age, when – when uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Juju Schuster catches four more balls, and Antonio Brown he has to go pout and complain to the media because I want the ball, I want the ball. Here's a guy who's not going to throw his team and coach under the bus. I think this is Here's the. I think this is stand up guy. I think this is. I, the, I was I, impressed with him. Okay, I think this is the other direction though. I respectfully disagree. I don't want a guy that got a a ridiculous ten carry, thirty five yard uh, opportunity in a three three game most of the night to then be that cool with it. I'd rather him be, obviously I'm disappointed we lost, and I'm really disappointed I didn't get a chance to contribute more. But, hey, I do what the coaches say, and we'll take this loss as a team. Maybe that's the same quote, I guess. I think I think what you just said makes sense, but that sounds like the same thing to me. I think the bottom line is he didn't bitch and moan and be selfish. It's a team game. I was ready when the coaches were ready to put me in. We lost, blah, blah, blah. Although, Instead of this, you know, how come I'm not the man? And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Although here's, like here's the difference I'll make, though, between running backs and wide receivers. When wide receivers bitch about, I want the ball, I want the ball, I want the ball, remember, it's a more tricky proposition mm-hmm. because, A, the coverage has to be right. 
B, other guys might be more open. C, sometimes the quarterback doesn't have time to throw it to you. As a running back, it doesn't take much to dial up 20 plays for you, not 10, I think. Okay, that said, moving on to other mistakes by the Rams and McVay. Well, you know, little things, but when the the Rams punted with – 20 seconds to go, 25 seconds to go in the first half. And they stuck it just inside the two, about on the one and a half with two timeouts to go. There. Didn't use them. When Brady took the first knee, he drops down inside the one. Mm-hmm. And Romo astutely says, if that pun had gone to the one, they'd have been in trouble. They'd have, you know, they couldn't have done that. But since it's on the two, they could. Yeah. Well, they had two timeouts. They took to the half. You call that time out there and you say, okay, Brady, now you're a half yard from the goal line. We still got another timeout. Hey, it's three to nothing. Can we try to make it three to two? How do you just go to the half there? I thought that was a mistake with two timeouts on the board and the ball inside the one. I agree on uh, that. And I also, <laughs> when McVay called a timeout to avoid a five yard penalty on uh, first and 10. First and 10. I first said, and 10. I said, you're going to want that one back. And sure enough, had they had that in their pocket at the end of the game when they decided, should we decline these penalties or take them? And they made the choice to decline, which Romo endorsed. And I think it's truly a 50-50 call. There's a strong argument to be made the other way as well. But I get the logic of we don't have the luxury of downs here. We've 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 got to try to stop them here. If they had that extra 40-second coupon of gameplay in their pocket, wow, would things have been different. Oh, yeah, and that's unusual in an NFL game to need a timeout late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as I, pointed, as I pointed out on Twitter last week, watching, re-watching the first Rams-Patriots game from 2 with a minute and 24 seconds left in the game, and with Summerall say, or with Madden saying you should take a knee and go to overtime, neither the Patriots yes. nor the Rams had any timeouts left. Remember that. Well, and you know what's a little worse even about the timeout in question you're mentioning is nine out of ten times they burn a timeout to avoid the um, 30-second clock, right? Yeah. They called that timeout on first and ten with eight seconds on the play clock. It was not a wind down. It was just a, ah, let's change our play timeout. I mean, it was not even the normal avoid right. the five. It was a really bad burn. Really right, because right, they could have just burned a play. They could have thrown it out of bounds. Yeah. Second and, and ten, no big deal. Now, of course, Belichick used a timeout, but I was I was told by somebody that's because he saw a matchup he, was, he knew was going to be a problem, and he decided to use it because he thought the play would go for a big game. Yeah, he well, he burned one on third and eight or nine, and everyone said, "Oh, he, I'm not sure if the same movie." Said, "Oh, he must not have liked the matchup." And they came out and ran a third and nine draw to White for a yard. It's like you needed the timeout for that. Yeah. But, oh well. <laughs> oh, oh well. All right. What the else? Other, well, the only other thing I would say is it's so obvious the quarters coverage, whatever. It was so obvious that. The Patriots were playing four guys man up, giving huge cushions. And you've got some receivers that can run after they catch the ball in Reynolds and Woods and even and Cooks. I'm sorry, I don't like to second guess, but it's not hard to say when you're giving a good running receiver a 10 yard cushion, just throw the ball. 
give him yeah. the ball. Bubble screens, quick throws. What do you call it? Uh, digs. Just you know, quick, quick. I mean, they, they didn't. They just continued to run down the field where the coverage was waiting for them. I don't. I didn't understand that. Yeah, I mean, there they was to throw the ball in, un, underneath the coverage. There was a a quick wideout screen, I think, to Woods where he broke one tackle. That's all it yes. took. And it, yep. and he was free for like fifteen or sixteen. Well, and you know, and you know what? This is. I was actually reading something just before you called an old uh, Redskins Super Bowl, and I swear this is another example of these days coaches with those laminated play charts with yeah. 117 plays, and and whenever they do something that works, they're like, okay, that worked. Now what can we do next? Well, how about the same thing? <laughs> how about the same thing? I was reading well, about the Redskins that, Super Bowl where yeah. they made the running adjustment, um, the Timmy Smith game, and um, the Denver linebacker Mecklenburg was talking about the adjustment, and he said, and they did it over and over and over. <laughs> and the point is, you know, they sit there and they diagram this great play, or like you mentioned, the one the quick, and and it works. And then they have to go show how smart they are and, and do more. And until they make an adjustment to stop it. I don't. How often do you see the same plays run more than two or three times in a game these days? It just doesn't happen. Well, we saw, well, except for the Patriots did three in a row and won the game. <laughs> and, and part of that was, and this was something that came out after the fact as well. Josh McDaniels said, "We're going to do something we haven't done all year. We haven't practiced it, but we are going to go with our base formation to keep the Rams in base, not in nickel." So I think they had a heavy formation, two tight ends. They only had Gronk and Edelman, I believe, and a running back. But they did it on that drive because they realized they had much better matchups when the Rams were in their big base defense, their first and second down defense, that they couldn't solve the Rams' nickel because that guy, Nickel Roby Coleman, great, great name for a nickel corner, was actually breaking on the ball really hard. Yes, in fact, you're right. Exactly what they did on top of that is they might have looked like they had that heavy formation, but they lined up five wide. And as they said, you know, the key was Burkhead, every play on that key drive, Burkhead was lined up uh, as the wide wide out on the left side. Right. So the point was the Rams had to defend the five uh, wide without the matchups that they wanted. And the key is, Usually teams will stick a guy out there, and you just kind of go, "Yeah, okay, they're not throwing him." I mean, they threw the Burkett on one of them. Yeah, they have that, guys that could right. they could actually function out there when they were um, the corner was cheating off him, going, "It's going to Gronk," and it's like, "Okay, I'll take Burkett." So by putting in the lineup that looked big and strong, and then spreading them out, I, I even think Devlin might have been wide on one of those plays. It was Devlin sure. and Burkett. Sure, they and, they and, took they took a they took a heavy personnel set. And they used an unusual formation. Right. And it just opened yeah. the field for Edelman and Gronk, and, and it was game over for sure. This is why the NFL Mr. X is king. It is the most, it's the <laughs> richest strategic sport on the planet. Am I wrong about that? I mean, it's layers and layers of fascinating complexity. It does. It's, it, yes. I can't imagine doing it for, uh, as, as, more often like a coach that sleeps in his office because, man, his stuff doesn't end. It's, it's so cool yeah. and complicated. Also, there is one other thing that I, I, I heard about the Patriots. Uh, they took one of their corners and told him, you're playing safety this game. Yes. He's never played safety. He right. hadn't played safety all year, but they trusted him 
that he could pick it up in the two weeks leading up to the game. And one of the things that I've heard writers say all the time about Belichick is a Belichick guy is a football player who's really smart above everything else because he's going to throw things at you that are going to challenge you mentally. And he doesn't want dummies. Guys that are physically superior, they rely on that more than they do their smarts football-wise. Sure. How can you be the you know the Belichick mo of constantly coming up with new things for big games? Well, hey, I need some versatility from you. Don't tell me this is what we did all year and we've been doing it since July. You know, you take that yeah. compared to the coach who says, "Well, it's what we did all year and it worked." Well, hey, so what? <laughs> so what? This so is a what? different situation. This is yeah. one game against a really good opponent, and they had two weeks to prepare for us, just like we did for them. You know what, that reminds me, that makes me think of, you know, I heard a lot of talk this week, everybody, you were talking about everybody, it's a copycat league, but nobody can duplicate the Pats. Right. There's two reasons to me that Belichick is what he is. We all know he's the X and O guy, et cetera. But what you were just saying, how many, um, how many times have you seen a Patriot player over the decade that acts selfish? And doesn't put the team first, like so many players do. Never. Well, they don't. They don't tolerate it. That's they the don't thing. tolerate it. They don't bring them in if they. And but by the way, when they bring them in, they adapt quickly. Um, you know, you can call it you know success breeding success, but you don't see the, the more guys are buying into. Okay, you want to change my role this week, or I'm not. You know, when Gronk gets eleven catches one week and zero the next, there's nobody fussing. They just they do their job. And win the games. I'll give you None some of this Antonio yeah. Brown stuff. I didn't catch the ball enough. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. out and quit. You don't do that. They never have. I said almost mindlessly uh, to a guest this week. I said, you know, would the Patriots ever go over the top with a real devastating wide receiver weapon to give to Brady? Like, would they be in the Antonio Brown business? And that's when the guest reminded me, there's no way in hell the the Steelers are going to trade Antonio yeah, Brown to the Patriots, but. With the news that he now has a possible domestic situation on his hands and that he is crazy as fuck, maybe that'd be just the kind of guy you want to put on the Patriots anyway. Of course, he'll be phenomenal like Randy Moss if they do. Well, the the difference is he's not a free agent. He's going to have to be uh, traded, and that will probably not. The the Steelers would rather, you know, trade him to... Uh, any, uh, anywhere, anywhere but there. Back, back to so the. I don't see that happening. Back to the ethos, though. Plus, they don't pay guys like that. That's true. They don't pay top dollar. Back to the uh, back to the Patriot way and the fact that Belichick can leverage the fact. I mean, Be- Belichick runs and with an rules with an iron fist for one reason, one reason only. He won quick enough and he won enough early that he could say, "Fuck you!" Look at the trophy case, right? That's, you know, that's true, but it's also a, you know, which came first. I mean, he also had that quote way right in the beginning. And true. So which came first, you know, you can debate that one, but I'm thinking of things like people buy in once you've had success, but he also didn't give a shit if you bought in the first day. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to give some examples. Ready? Remember when Wes Welker was running his mouth about uh, Rex Ryan and the foot fetish videos yes guess mm-hmm. what guess what you remember what belichick did sat his ass down for a half yes a yeah. lot of coaches would have told him to knock that off but they're not going to bench their best wide receiver for a half 
after right. after something like that. Remember when Gronk had pictures of his porn star girlfriend wearing his Patriot jersey? Remember uh-huh. what happened shortly after that? Gronk issued an apology saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. This was off season. It's his fucking jersey. Like, what business is that of the team? Fuck off, right? Gronk's a walking apology. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember the time, remember the time there was like an eighteen inch blizzard and Belichick sent home several players who were five minutes late. Okay? Yes. Malcolm Malcolm Butler plays 97% of snaps during the regular season, and right before the Super Bowl, even though they're getting lit up by Nick Foles, he's healthy, he's got pads on, doesn't play. This, This is what's amazing to me. And the Patriots win through all of this stuff that would otherwise... Oh, another one. A year and a half ago, when Alex Guerrero is starting to overstep his bounds... Belichick moves in and tells Brady, get that fucker out of here. I don't like this. Yes. Amazing. And so the Patriots win through all this stuff. As I said, they they won through a, a, a Pro Bowl tight end getting arrested for double murder. Like oh. those kind of things sink teams for years because of the turmoil. You've just, you've just given me the idea for the next uh, Patriots shirt. What's it's, that? It should be Belichick. You want me on that wall. You, you need, need me, me on, on that, that wall. wall. Right. Because, you, you know, it's a few have to sacrifice. And, you know, yeah. that's how we, uh, you know, what do you call it? Defend the nation. They, that's what uh, it does. Yeah, they, they've won two Super Bowls now, too, having lost two key defensive players to broken arms in the game. Because not only did Chung break his arm in this one and they won, but uh, Harrison broke his arm against the Patriots, and they found a way to win that game. Yep, Yep. and you know, the second, I think, most important thing to me about what he does, it sounds so simple, but nobody else does this. Years and years ago, when you first heard him say, well, I'd rather cut a guy a year too soon than a year too late. And that takes such confidence. And the whole point is, you never know for sure the year the guy loses the step and is no longer productive until he does it. Right. And yet and, the and most... everybody says, well, he was good last year. Let's give him another try. And then they stink. Belichick will cut him. They'll go somewhere else. They'll right. have one good year and then they're done. And he's like, yeah, okay. It was a year too early, but that's better yeah. than keeping them when they're a year too late. Chandler... He never keeps anybody too long. Chandler Jones, Richard Seymour, oh, gosh. um, uh, the big nose tackle, uh, the fat guy who went to Texans, uh, played pretty well, but they're like, you know, we're done. Uh, Will Fork. Yeah, Will Fork. Yeah. He still loves the organization, though. They were like, we love you, but we, we got to get ready. And he was like, oh, okay, Everybody I get thought it. it was terrible when he when uh, uh, Welker wanted a small pay raise. And they're like, yeah, okay, go ahead and go to Denver. Boy, did he, I'm sure he regretted how about, uh, how about that la- little bit of money. How about last year, Amendola? You're great, Amendola. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. we're not paying you. Yeah. I mean, it's good to be paid. You just have to decide. You want to be paid, you want to win. But, I mean, you know, all those guys like Welker and Amendola, they, they don't seem to be so good on other teams. All that said, you know, talking about Belichick wanting to get rid of a guy a year early instead of a year late, most people believe, Mr. X, he wanted to ship Brady out for Garoppolo, and it was Kraft who intervened and said, I won't do it. That's the perception. Who knows if that's true or yeah. not? But that's the perception. Me, personally, as a dummy on the couch, I said, oh, yeah, now's the time to get out. Brady's about to fall apart. 
Garoppolo's a stud. Let's keep this thing going. Well, that is now two Super Bowl appearances in the rear view. If he plays in a wheelchair, he deserves a couple extra years. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, because you know what? No. You, do, you do ride it to you do ride it to zero. You got to ride it to zero for Brady. You've got to let him retire as a Patriot. He means too much, to. obviously, to the fan base. I just I looked at what happened with Kobe with the Lakers, mm-hmm. and it's a different sport. And he was coming off a devastating Achilles injury, and it was just different there that I shouldn't have thought comparatively of. Well, look at look at the hole the Lakers dug themselves just because they couldn't stomach getting out of the Kobe business, football and basketball are totally different. Yeah, especially considering the fact that the vast majority of Brady's edge is all in his head. It's not physical skill. So, yes, he could lose it like Peyton Manning that last year, throwing the one-yard pass plays. But he is so much better at this stage of his career than Peyton was at the end when he obviously oh. never really recovered. Well, right. So Peyton, it was all about his head, you know, his choices. And people finally realized he couldn't throw the ball. But in Brady's case, you know, as you, as you get older, you don't get dumber. No, and Brady's in, <laughs> Brady is in phenomenal shape compared to Manning. That's why yeah, I called him true. old Lego neck because they fused his spine. And you're right, he could barely throw the ball when he finally won his last one. Brady is not that way. And I think I heard Brady say the exact words. He said, well, why would I retire now? I feel like I have the cheat code to the game. Yes. Oh, shit. Now, here's here's a, a quick story for you that will uh, just totally aggravate all the uh, anti-patriots, which is most of this. I, I think, most listeners. <laughs> by the way, I think anyone who is anti-patriot I've already hung up. <laughs> they, 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 they have deleted this. They, they. I'm going to get emails saying you, you are an embarrassment, Zabe. The way you slobber over them like that. Hey, I'm not slobbering. Am I slobbering, Mister X? I'm bringing up chapter and verse of yeah. things that they do that nobody else can or will do. Oh, for sure. Hey, when they talk about the dynasties and stuff, I mean, all the other top teams, players stay together. The Steeler teams, the Niner teams. It was it was an organization that stayed together. There's hardly anybody that's consistently here other than Brady and Belichick. It's an organizational thing, not oh, a yeah. team. Oh yeah, it's not a team. It's an organization. Okay. Now here's my here's my quick one for you. When I show up early to uh, at the at the Irish pub for the Super Bowl, that's just a diehard Patriot place. One guy is there early, and he says, <laughs> "So funny." He says. I just came from Kansas City this week, and guys there were saying, "Hey, yeah, you guys played a really good game," and and you know going to the finals. And he said, "Okay, look, I don't, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but unless there's a DVD, we don't really care." <laughs> he said, "We don't make DVDs for going to the Super Bowl." Wow, that's funny. <laughs> And, and we, that's it, man. Yeah, we don't hang banners for just being in the conference championship game like the Colts did. AFC championship game participant. Pretty yep. embarrassing. There you go. All right, uh, Mr. X, how do we do on the props before we're uh, out the Good. door? Uh, well, I, I gave you the show. Your Zerline uh-huh. prop shit the bed. Oh, didn't it? Didn't it? Totally. He was hurt more than anybody let on. They Agreed. were saying during the game he was hurt, and that you know I they, they I thought he was healthy. So, Fine. well, I gave you eight, and they went five and three. 
Um, so come on, I'm going to take that. Yeah. By the way, all the CJ Anderson unders, which were my favorite ones, that they were all easy. God, he looked horrible, which is what makes the whole girly thing even even more amazing. Yeah. And Romo, Romo, the only comment he made all day that but bothered me was he said, "Well, you got to ride the hot hand." What part of Anderson is a hot hand? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is only, a hot hand. Only, had, only, only the hand that's down his fat ass pants getting yes. hot because had, of his loins. Yep, his big his big run of the day was five yards. I'm not calling that a hot hand, and I can't put Todd Gurley on the bench for that. Yeah. But anyway, we did go five and three on him overall, um, and uh, did get did call the double digit win, which was nice. I, I said under fifty six. I didn't really think it would go under by. It. <laughs> as many miles as it actually went under. My God, that was a shock. But it's still a winner, so, so how about good. How about the so-called mystery Betor X, no relation, that lost $3.8 million on this game? How do you think he feels? Well, my comment to that was, you know, the only thing better than winning bets like that is being able to lose bets like that. <laughs> how is because losing he- better? Well, what I mean is, if you can, I can't, I, no, I, I think what you mean to say way. is that the second, the best thing is to win three point eight million on the Super Bowl. The second best thing is to lose. Well, no, that, what I mean is to be able to afford that. Nobody bets three point eight million with three point nine to their name. That's what I mean. I guess so. so. If you can, if you can throw away three point eight on the Super Bowl, you doesn't know what? It, life's, it still, life's probably pretty good. Doesn't it still sting though? I'm sure it does, but I, I guess I think of it like when I have a loss. My loss is not so large that it's going to, as you call it, impact life. Yeah. If you if you're making a wager that's impacting life, you know we, we get another issue. I don't think anybody gets to they got a spare three point eight million in the drawer that they can just throw it away. I mean, if it was really going to sting, they wouldn't have done it. So that's yeah. why I say if you can lose that much, good for you. <laughs> yeah. The degenerates who aren't good at gambling never have enough money to bet big enough to really feel a loss like that. They'll have already pissed away all their money well before they've got $3.8 million to blow. Probably. Probably. All right, Mr. X, good to talk as always. Uh, here comes okay. baseball. Still no Machado signed. Still no yes. Harper signed. We'll talk about that next week maybe as we transition to baseball. Sounds good. It is that time. Oh, man. See you, bud. Okay. We'll end on this today. My friend Tommy Gruen in Cincinnati sends me an email saying, Zabe, don't listen to the people telling you not to say fuck on your podcast. In fact, take a quick visit to the Instagram account of one David Goggins, former Navy SEAL, about people bitching about this, that, and the other in today's society. Here is... Mr. Goggins. We have an epidemic in this world. The epidemic I'm talking about is a lot of people bitch about fucking everything. They bitch about not having time. They 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 bitch about their boss. They bitch about their husband. They bitch about their lives. They bitch about everything. Some people even follow me on Instagram and bitch about me fucking cussing. So why the fuck are you following me on Instagram if you know I'm going to fucking cuss? We bitch about everything in life, but we do nothing about it. Very few people do anything about it. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. All these fucking things. What the fuck are you doing about it? You got to take action in your life. You got to stop bitching. You got to start being, find a solution to your fucking problem. Don't be the problem. Take action. For every action, there's an opposite reaction. If all you do is bitch, 
Nothing's going to happen in your life. Take action, take control, stay hard. All right. Look, I'm not saying that you're, if you said to me, I, I like it better without the cursing, or I think you're just as good without the F-bombs. Look, I'm not saying you're bitching to me. Uh, but other people are saying you're bitching, that's for sure. I don't think that's the case. Either way, I think I think this I think the adult language is going to fucking stay in the podcast. I'm going to be very I'm going to be more selective though. That's all. Maybe I'll get a coupon book. I get 3 or 4 F bombs per episode. And I promise not to use them gratuitously, but when needed, it's a it's a spice. It's a spice of how people talk. But it's also can be a crutch for people that don't have anything really to say. So for now, I'm not fucking leaving. Just as Jordan Belfort once said, the show goes on. Fuck, stay in the podcast. And if you're listening with your kids in the car, I'm very sorry. You're going to have to get some AirPods or some headphones or some earbuds and just listen discreetly. It's not for little Junior. Until little Junior comes home and drops some blue words on you and you go, what? Your eyeballs get real big. Where'd you learn those words? Oh, that's right. We live in the digital age where the internet is everywhere and your kid has a phone. Their innocence is gone. Long gone. Gone to whiskey. Birds of dogs bark, birds have flown. Gone, gone, gone. My time is gone for today. Thank you for listening. Remember, subscribe to the Friday edition of the Zabecast. It's the premium edition that helps support this endeavor, and I appreciate all my subscribers. Go to zabe.com slash premium to sign up today. Download the app. It's absolutely free, whether you're premium or not. Very handy. Compiles all my episodes right there. It's got a lot of features. If you just noodle into the menu, you'll find out. You can set the skip ahead time, the skip back time, how the show is played, and everything else. It's all free for you. Go to Google Play or iTunes and search Zabecast. Download the app. It loads right onto your phone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now go on out there. Take the inspiration of a former Navy SEAL. Do something about your life if you're not happy. And we will see you next time.